You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. This is Jeff Ellis of the Locked On Indians podcast. I just recorded this whole podcast and then realized I was doing it through the, uh, for some reason it flicked over and was doing it through the computer mic. So rather than be a big jerk face and have you guys with that terrible, terrible audio quality, of me being a foot away and my computer recording me from a distance. Hey, you get uh, you get take two. Uh, I guess the whole thing was a draft. So we're going to, on today's show, we're going to talk about some, uh, we have some, not Indians news, but we have some old friend news. We will talk about the Mookie Betts situation and why that affects the Indians. We're going to talk about an interesting list that I saw um, in terms of pitching talent and kind of why that is something that... Uh, we really need to, to look at, talk about, and why I think that, uh, you know, it, it was, for me, something that definitely made me smile a bit. And, yeah, it's basically going to be those three main points on this. I did want to do a quick shout-out. Uh, Wilmer Flores signed with the Giants today. I was intrigued by him. Uh, this podcast won't have his stats because I already closed that window. But in 270 at-bats this year, you know, he had a OPS plus over 110 and OPS over 800. His on-base percentage is over 360. Um, slugging, you know, somewhere between, like, do the math. You know, like it was like an, maybe an 820 OPS. Subtract 360 from that. That's a slugging. Uh, right-handed bat to give some balance. He's getting a multi-year deal from the Giants, so that kind of puts him out of Cleveland's range to begin with. But I thought he would have been a nice addition, someone who could play a few spots. Um even with the addition of Cesar Hernandez, I'd much rather have you know Wilmer Flores as my bench bat, who's coming in and getting situational hits, than um, than Freeman or, or someone of the like. So uh, I thought that was an interesting one. Uh, Yonder Alonso signed a minor league deal with the Braves. Uh, you know, they are very set at first base, and he is never going to get an opportunity to play in the majors this year. I did not. He must have no other offer. Like that's. And after how he played last year, it's like maybe that shouldn't be a surprise that he has no other offers. Um, he was really, really bad, and he was not that good for the Indians. And he had that like half a breakout year. And you go back and you look, and I remember like Reds fans, Reds fans, A's fans being like, no, his defense is better than it is, and he's a better hitter. And then when they fell out of contention that year, he got traded for nothing to the Mariners. The Indians thought. Well, he changed his swing. We're going to buy cheap, get him on a multi-year deal, and he's just going to continue. No, he didn't continue anything. He just had that peak year, and then it fell apart. Um, so that's that's one old friend alert. Two old friend alert was um, MLB Bastion, you know, who used to write on the Indians. I think he's now with the Cubs in terms of who he follows on the beat. Reported that uh, the Cubs have considered Jason Kipnis. Um, that is interesting because Kip- Kipnis was high school. Was, you know, he grew up like 20 or so miles from Wrigley Field. So the local stories on both sides are nice. But uh, And both of their second baseman, Botier and Horner, are right-handed. So they could use a lefty. But my concern with any of that is like Jason Kipnis wasn't very good. And, if, you know, you heard me talk during the season. I debated if he would even get a major league contract. I still am not sure he will get a major league contract at this point. And what hurts him more than anything else is he has no flexibility. He's a he turned into a above average defensive second baseman. You know he came started out a not good defender there, and that was probably his best value in what he gave the Indians last year at second base. But offensively, it just wasn't there anymore, and it has gotten worse every single year. 
and if you're looking at him to like balance out that platoon then the problem is is he's going to get the majority of the bats the left-handed hitter gets the majority of the bats because they face more right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers so i don't know i we'll see that could happen i think if you want a second baseman like um dozier is still definitely 100 percent the way to go but uh yeah i mean at least that's that's the first thing i'd heard about kipnis this entire offseason so you know there you go so i you know we let's see that was that oh let's talk about the pitching that's that's up next so mike uh Petriello, um, he wrote a list. Now, I, I don't think it's the best list, but I think it's interesting because it debuted, you know, he, he works for MLB. He's worked everywhere. Um, but in his mind, the top 10 starting pitchers, he thought the top two were easy. And I disagree because at one, he has Garrett Cole. And I think while Garrett Cole at peak has definitely deserved to be like in that top two, I do not, I think Garrett Cole's a little overrated. What we've seen is inconsistency for his career. And yeah, he was utterly fantastic this year. But um, we just haven't seen, have we seen two utterly fantastic years in a row for Garrett Cole? I'm not sure. Uh, Jacob DeGrama, too, to me, is the best pitcher in baseball right now. I don't, I think that that's without a doubt. Scherzer, Verlander, Strasburg, 3-4-5. I think Verlander's a little high, but that's just me. It's like I would personally have him in the back of the top 10. We're going to skip six, seven, Walker Bueller, eight, Jack Flattery, nine, Charlie Morton. I feel like Morton should be higher after what we saw a year ago. Ten, Chris Sale. I don't know what to do with Sale. Like, you know, normally you'd think Sale's got to be top five no matter what, but, you know, the times there are changing. And then, like, his specific just missed. He names four names and says, oh, there's about a dozen others, but the four just missed in order, Bieber, Grinke, uh, Rio, and Castillo. Uh, so the Indians having two on the list. The Astros have two on the list. Man, Kershaw no longer even kind of gets a mention. Um... Castillo, because oh, I've skipped six, which is Mike Clevenger, and I'll talk about that more in a second. So, man, and, you know, Sinden Garden doesn't make it. That's that's kind of where we are. There's so many good options. But you get right down to it. Um, you know, the Nationals have two in the top five, which separate them. But the Astros have two who, who get mentioned. Um, the Indians have two who get mentioned. And... Is that it? The Indians, Astros, the Nationals. So for everything that's going wrong with the uh, the Indians, I mean, that's still kind of going to be the strength of this team. And imagine if, like, Carlos Carrasco can even return to form a little bit. Like, I'm not sure about some of those other rooks. I don't think there's anyone, like, waiting to make that step forward, I'll be honest. But if Carrasco can return to, like, 90% of what he was, that would be a huge improvement to that rotation. Uh, name not shown represented Trevor Bauer. And, you know, I've, I've been... I have been very negative on Trevor Power, let's be honest, and that's because he's been so inconsistent. Like, I wanted to sell him at high point. I think they still got value, but he just year to year can't really inconsistent. Like, you know, the home run rate, the walk rate, he just, it's never seemed to come together. And, well, you know, for a player like him, it was interesting where he went to sign an arbitration contract, which was something he claimed he'd never do. But, um,. You know, he talked a huge game when he was a Cy Young candidate, but things changed when we were no longer one of those. So we'll see what happens. But Clevenger, and it's, you know, uh, what's fun to me with this is all the people who are like, yeah, we'll give you Lux if you give us Lindor and Clevenger. Like, I saw so many deals that were, like, treating Clevenger like he was a throw-in. And I'm like, Mike Clevenger is a really good pitcher. If he didn't miss time due to injury, he's probably in that top five. Um 
don't sleep on Mike Clevenger. It's basically what I am saying if you're an outside fan base who thinks that the Indians are just going to roll over and give Clevenger away. Um, but let's keep going uh, with this. I, you know, it's the Dodgers fans in particular kind of drove me a bit nuts. And I, I you know, today I was so we'll get to some more bet stuff, bet stuff in the second half. But I was talking about how I thought the bets talk was a little bit silly. And I'll go into that. And I was like, well, you know, if I looked at Josh Bell, I was like, you know, he might make sense. But then you look at his platoon splits and he's, yes, he's a switch hitter, but he's really just a left-handed bat in disguise because he doesn't hit lefties well, but he hits uh, righties really well. Um, so I was like, well, it wouldn't make sense. Like if they're going to pay a price that the, these Boston writers are saying that the, the Dodgers are going to pay, what team? And I was like, oh, the Dodgers should really just go call the Kansas City Royals and uh, trade for Solar and Merrifield. And then they'd have both those guys for a long time. And I realized Solar is the definition of a DH, but you can maybe uh, cover him up a bit with uh, some of the young guys they have. I was trying to figure out what would make sense as a three-team deal, and I was quickly told the three-team deal that would make the most sense was um, Seager, because I was like, oh, you know, the Reds should then trade for Seager if they could do a deal like this. This is a three-teamer. That was mine. It was the Royals, Dodgers, and, and Reds. But then I was told, no, um, the deal should be Lindor to the Dodgers, uh, Seager to the Reds, the Indians get Jock Peterson, who's a rental, <laughs> to which I was like, "There's the Indians aren't going to trade Lindor to get a guy who's a free agent sooner than Lindor. And then uh, Jeter Downs, who's a good but not great prospect. You're talking about someone who's kind of in the 70 range in the top 100, which is fine, but that's not like, that's not a guy who headlines a, a prospect. And Nick Sensel, who coming off labrum surgery, battled vertigo a year ago, and in his first season in the majors produced below-average offensive production. Um, yeah, that's that's not going to get anyone excited. <laughs> so I thought that was a um, terrible uh, offer. Like, I, pre- I, I don't want to, like, pile on anyone. It's, it's terrible for me to do that. But, like, that's kind of, like, what people think is going to work. And it's like, no, like, that's a package, like, for Seager, like that, that's a Corey Seager package. That's not a Francisco Lindor package. And then honestly, in that situation, why don't the Reds just go all in? Like, why are they trading, you know, the best piece to get um, to get Lindor and then letting the Dodgers get him? Like, it didn't make any sense on any level. Um, so what I was thinking was, it, you know, like if that deal was really going to happen, basically what it would require is... Uh, Senzel and Green going to Cleveland, Seager going to the do- uh, to the Reds, and then the Indians getting, you know, if the Indians got like Verdugo and and Downs, maybe that you know it's like if all of a sudden I was like, man, Verdugo Downs, uh, Senzel and um, Green, I'm like, eh, I'd have to think about it. I don't know how anyone else would feel, but that's, that's what it would be. But my thought was that if that deal were to happen, that, you know, it was a similar framework of, like, because I had specifically mentioned online the idea of Sensel. It's, like, Sensel and, like, Tyler Stevenson to the Royals, Seeker to the to the Reds, um, Dustin May going to the... You know, that's the thing. Even in my proposed deal, uh, <laughs> a good prospect at least leaves the Dodgers. Dustin May going to Kansas City um, and... Who is the other? And then, um, you know, depending on how how hard the the deal is, it's like, uh, or not May. Instead of May, it's like uh, Verdugo's going, and then someone along like the Jeter Downs level 
would go. Um, and then if you're the Dodgers, basically you trot out your outfield of Peterson, Verdugo, Pollock, and with Max Muncy is kind of the, he's going to play every day and someone's going to rest. Um, or no, because in this situation, Muncy would then be at first base, second base is Merrifield, third base is um, Turner, shortstop is Seeger and, or not Seeger, Gavin Lux, and your catcher is Will Smith. Um, so, you know, that was the basic idea of, of such a deal for me. And the, the interesting thing is the Dodgers could change it around and maybe keep Verdugo and move another piece because they just have so many movable pieces and so much flexibility. Um, in a second after this break here, we'll, we'll kind of get into more bets talk because I think it's interesting and it does um, relate back to the Indians and Francisco Lindor. Fun fact, I always write down the breaks in these shows just to know like where I need to put in the uh, the little ad break when I upload them. Uh, exact same time in first and second show. And I'm not sitting here like I didn't remember that until I put it in. Um, so that's just a fun little random oddity. Uh, 1246 moment in both. So the, the Betts deal is important to the Indians because if what the Dodgers or Dodgers, what the Red Sox writers are reporting are, the Indians should just keep on, hold on to Lindor because in a year they're going to be able to get a you know, utter, utterly unworldly package for him. Um, why trade him two years out when you can get the world um, when there's only one year left? And I say this to a degree of, you know, I like it's, it's hard because it's like I kind of want the Dodgers to pay a huge price um, because that does make it so in a year the Indians have a, hey, this is what the last team paid. We expect something similar type of situation but i also think that what's being reported is disingenuous because all these reports of these huge deals are boston related media i haven't seen a lot of the dodgers ones um the la writers weighing in weighing in uh you know weighing in and saying that uh yeah that's what i'm hearing too and uh, so the, the latest one i saw today was that Betts and David Price to the Dodgers? Dodgers would trade a would trade a Caleb Ferguson, uh, Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and another piece. Now this is ridiculous for a few things. David Price is not good. He is not valuable. It is a net negative contract. David Price is owed ninety six million dollars. You know, almost a hundred million dollars over the next three years combined. That's his age 34, 35, and 36 seasons. The last three years, he pitched 100 innings this year, basically. Um, he pitched 170 in 2018, and he pitched 74 in 2017. So uh, 340 innings over the last three years. Those are not good totals. That is not what you want on a starter, especially one that's getting $32 million a year. His most similar pitcher through age 33, this was the most depressing thing I found. Number one, Johan Santana. He did not pitch his age 33 year. He pitched uh, age 32 and 34, and 34 he was terrible, and age 33 he missed due to injury. Next, Jared Weaver, who fell apart at age 32. So his best two comps are two pitchers whose career fell apart uh, at 32, and David Price just finished his age 33 season. So they're already, you know, by these uh, the baseball reference stuff is predicting that he's already done. He is, he is fallen off, and he is not coming back. And to think that a guy again who's owed ninety six million, coming off three less than productive years, uh, has any trade value is just the height of of foolishness. Uh, one, you go back and look at what the Dodgers have traded before. Um, 
Let's see if I, I had that pulled up last time. I don't have it directly in front of me now because uh, I did a tweet with that. But, you know, when they went out and they traded for Usnil, or I'm sorry, they traded Usnil Diaz, what am I saying? And then they traded, so they traded for Machado and they traded for Darvish. And those were the both big name rentals of the deadline. And, you know, people t- talked about those to varying degrees with me and why I was off about this. And I get, they were both mid-season. They were not before the season. There is draft pick value but I don't know how much that really adds in. You know, we've seen the value of a first-round pick um, of those comp picks kind of vary. And on top of that, a comp pick for the Dodgers is like a third-rounder. The Dodgers aren't getting a lot in a comp pick. It's not like this is the good old days where everyone got one at the end of the first round. The Dodgers aren't getting a comp pick at the end of the first round. They're getting one like with their spending habits. I mean, there's a chance it's the end of the second round. There's a chance it's even later. Like the the comp pick doesn't hold the value it does to a small market team, um, but quickly for Darvish they traded AJ Alexei, Brendan Davis, and Willie Calhoun. For Machado it was Ryan, uh, Ryland Bannon, Yusno Diaz, Dean Kramer, Zach Pop, and uh, Brejevic Valera. For Machado in both those cases it was one big prospect. It was a guy who was more the fifty to one hundred pro- top prospect range. Both cases, both those prospects were kind of down in value to where they had been earlier. Uh, so descending prospect values in the second half of the top 100, and then a bunch of meh, like interesting stat guy, uh, someone who's got velocity but no control, like interesting but not stellar, not even your typical secondary pieces. I mean, they're just these are then a bunch of like what I would consider tertiary pieces, um, and they didn't show any agency and free agency, so. I mean, Boston Globe reporting Red Sox and Dodgers are getting close to a bets trade. Uh, two days ago, they said it was imminent, so it, nothing's changing. Uh, Boston keeps reporting it's coming, and then we keep not seeing things. So the minute I release this podcast, um, it will happen because that's the way this works. But just to go back into it, uh, the Dodgers have never shown the the willingness to go and do this. So it would be a big change of pace for them. Um and then I, the valuations are ridiculous. Like, I I probably, if I ran a team, I wouldn't trade five years at Verdugo for one of Betts. Now, Betts is a top five player on the planet. He does everything. But Verdugo is a guy who helps you in the field. He helps you in the batter's box. He's going to turn 24 at the end of May. Um, young guy. And, you know, you're getting five years of him. Caleb Ferguson is a good prospect. He is... Uh, He's a lefty who misses bats and has some velocity. I mean, you can never have enough left-handed pitching. And then when you add in, um, you know, Jeter Downs is kind of one of those. He's like the the Usnil Diaz type of guy. He's a a back end of the top 100, a good, solid, like, infield prospect. But, you know, he's not going to be a – he's not a world beater, but he's still – he's a good B piece – so it's, you know, are they going to trade a proven outfielder with five years of control, a solid B piece, and then an interesting pitcher who's ready to help now? And another prospect? Like, I wouldn't trade any of those pieces straight up for David Price. Like, I don't understand. It's like, to me, um, David Price, like, if you wanted me to take David Price, you're having to send me some prospects. So maybe I just don't understand baseball. Um, but I I feel like, you know, I went on record that I think that 
when this deal happens, it's going to be a lot less than anyone's reporting it to be. So we'll see what happens. But the the traditional value on any rental has just never been that high. The Dodgers aren't going to really get much value, if any, from a draft pick. And... Now, what's being reported now is that a, a third team's been added in. Um, so, we'll see. Oh, Passan four minutes ago. Uh, so, the deal is happening, because of course, and that David Price is also going in this same package. So, it is happening, but again, I'm going to be very... Um, so, they're getting Verdugo and others to Boston. So, I'm, I might be wrong, but I don't understand... Uh, too much else. I mean, I can on a base level because Alec or because Mookie Betts is very, very good, but I, I just don't. Um, I, I'm very curious to see what the cost is beyond Verdugo because while Betts is very, very good, David Price is not, and it is a lot of money. So, unless I mean, that's I guess that's what it comes down to. It's also going to see how much money is being retained by the uh, the Red Sox. So, we'll have to see. Like I said, I, I I can't see this being anything too crazy. I get it on a on a base level. You're upgrading yourself. Um, you're upgrading your team, but uh, it's it's coming at a high price. But uh, the Dodgers clearly feel that their window is now, and I can't blame them for taking that opportunity to add you know one of the top five offensive players on the planet. A team that uh, can't hit lefties to save their life got someone who can hit them, and uh, yeah, good for them. You can laugh at this podcast now as it's going through, and I'm saying I can't believe some of the stuff, and then of course it happens. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens here. Bets to the Dodgers, price to the Dodgers, for Dugo and other pieces to Boston. Boston, uh, you know, can now. We'll see. There's been some uh, some Benintendi talk. I mean, Verdugo and Benintendi are very similar, so um, we'll see what happens there. I'm very curious to see the secondary pieces and just how much there is, or if there is a third team. So, of course, uh, this trade had to break in the middle of the podcast, just like the Corey Kluber deal and just like other things. It has been the M.O. all season. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, I'm a bit kind of frazzled as this is occurring. So thank you. I appreciate all your listening, all the likes, all the positive comments, all the um, interactions on Facebook, on Twitter. The positive reviews everywhere is utterly fantastic. Keep getting those listens up. Uh, as always, you know, you guys and gals are the best. Thank you for listening, and go Tribe. Hey, hey maybe the Indians are the third team. Maybe they're getting for Dugo. We can hope, right?